2: ATT connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective.
0: Tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash and loss of appetite.
5: Hello, it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing?
6: Welcome, y'all, to another episode of Eating While Broke. I'm your host, Colleen Witt, and today we have Earn Your Leisure in the Building. I'm super, super excited about this. When you get a financial advisor, Rashad Bilal, and educator, Troy Millings, together, they deliver assets over liabilities, no pun intended, of course. When it comes to behind-the-scenes financial views in entertainment, sports, and entrepreneurship, you need to look no further than Earn Your Leisure events, podcasts, and university Welcome, y'all. We are super excited to have y'all today. Appreciate it. Thank yeah, you for pleasure us. To be here. Pleasure to be here. <laughs> okay. Broke. So we, today on this this episode, we have two dishes. So at the end of this episode, I'm going to see which one did it better. Troy, why don't you start us off and tell us what you're making and the ingredients.
7: Yeah, so today I'm going to be making a pizza bagel, not to be confused with pizza toast, a little bit thinner on the bread. Um, And so, yeah, I got my bagel here. I have uh, some tomato sauce. Obviously, we have to have that. Some mozzarella cheese. And uh, to add some flavor, we've got oregano, some basil, and, of course, a little pinch of garlic.
6: Okay. That sounds like it's going to be really, really nice on flavoring. It feels like borderline perfection professional pizza restaurant-ish.
7: Yeah, we take our pizza bagel serious at my house. And Rashad, what about you?
6: Uh, Tuna
8: sandwich. We got wheat bread, whole wheat bread, um, tuna, mayonnaise, ketchup, and chips.
6: And chips. Okay, okay.
8: So, you know, it's an interesting combination. I can explain it if you want, or we can explain it later, but how this all came about, it's up to you, however you want to.
6: Yeah, well, if you want, we'll have Troy start us off with yep. making the pizza, okay. and then while he's starting off making the pizza, I guess I just have to ask you, <laughs> when did ketchup and tuna make a marriage?
8: Yeah, well, you know, ketchup is one of these things that I use with everything. You like, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's a perfect blend. Like when I eat fish, I usually put ketchup, fried fish, ketchup and hot sauce. Okay. Or if um, you know, if I'm doing this, I'm do this or other thing I do with fish sometimes is ketchup and tartar sauce, but ketchup and mayonnaise is actually French dressing.
6: Thousand oh, Island. Okay, okay, yeah.
8: No, it's French dressing. Up. I
6: call it the Big it? Mac.
8: Yeah, I think it's French. It's um, it's- I think it's thousand. No, Island. It's, it's Thousand Island. Island. I think it's French. Is
6: it? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not even. My not you want? You want to Google it? <laughs> I, I know. I, I, I know it because
8: I actually did Google it.
7: I think it's Thousand Island. I'm, I'm like almost 100. Uh,
6: okay, you know what? Well, he. Puts it in the oven. We'll Google whether okay. it's French or Thousand Island.
8: But it makes it already makes something. It's already a something. Yeah. Yeah. So when you, it's actually a good combination, and then it's not the normal taste that you would have for tuna. So it kind of gives it a little, you know, mm-hmm. special edge to it, and then the chips just add like the, you know, just puts it over the top. Oh,
6: okay. All right. Well. <laughs> Troy, why don't you go ahead and start us off on the pizza, pizza, the pizza, bagel. The pizza bagel. Pizza so the, bagel. So the, the
7: bagel is important, um, okay. and because when I was younger, uh, my mom used to make pizza all the time, mm-hmm. and so she had dough. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I was home by myself, sometimes I'm like, I want to make pizza, so I had to find anything I could use as my as my mm-hmm. bread. And so the the white bread was too too soft for the tomato sauce, so that mm-hmm. didn't work. And then tried to use Engle, English muffins, and they were too small. I was hungry after, so I said. I'm gonna go with the bagel. And so we start with the bagel, obviously. Mm-hmm. You gotta slice it, it's been sliced nicely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the first thing we're gonna put on top of it is the tomato sauce. And so we got the tomato sauce here, we got our spoon. Mm-hmm. And the spoon is, is important because you wanna spread this tomato sauce out evenly. All right, so I take a scoop of the tomato sauce, put it on the bread, all right.
6: Now, at no point did you. Ever say, you know what, today I'm going to have it on an everything bagel, or was it always plain? You know what,
7: I never tried it on Always plain, always plain. Okay. Right? I was trying to make it as close to my mom's pizza as possible, and the only bagel she bought was plain or cinnamon raisin.
6: Okay. So
7: cinnamon raisin pizza probably wouldn't have been great.
6: You never tried it? No, nah, no, nah, Never nah, desperate nah, enough nah, to try nah. it. We
7: don't, we don't put raisins in, in, in things in in Jamaican household. Well, some...
6: and that's the other thing I'm a little confused, because you're Jamaican, yeah. and I, I don't think I've ever seen my mom make a pizza
7: yeah this is true. this is true. Like, <laughs> so, I've never seen my true.
6: mom make a pizza
7: so she, she was great at making pizza she's a, i mean my mom's a great like cook. Mm-hmm. she makes a lot of things. um Her pizza was one of those things like my friends would come over and, and eat it. It was so good, and so okay. I was like, all right, if I can't have hers, I'll have to make my own and so I didn't have dough. So I use the, the the bagel, like I said. And so you see how we, we've evenly spread this out? Yeah. You see how good this looks? Yeah. All right, so now. It
6: looks like a bloody bagel.
7: <laughs> exactly. And so <laughs> this is important now. Now that we've got the, the tomato sauce consistently mm-hmm. spread throughout, now we're going to add some some flavor. We're going to put a little oregano, right? Just a oh, pinch of it. Just a little put pinch. Put it
6: above the tomato sauce.
7: Above the tomato sauce. Because okay, okay. you know, I'm going to show you why. I'm going to show you on a sec. So we put a little bit here, a little bit there, right? We don't want to flood it. the flavor of the tomato sauce a little basil sprinkle that i should do like salt and just drop it right Mm -hmm. there we go
6: i mean this looks restaurant (laughs) okay
7: (laughs) and then i'm gonna get another fresh spoon for my garlic okay a lot of people put garlic on top of their pizza after i like to throw it inside the sauce so it's add a little bit of flavor so you don't really need it all right so we get a little pinch here this is fresh garlic we're gonna spread this out yeah this is fresh this is fresh. (laughs) <laughs> this is fresh. This smells good. Yeah, this, this <laughs> smells good already.
6: But you said you usually mix it in the sauce.
7: Yeah. Well, I'm gonna do it now.
6: Okay.
7: Uh, for, for time purposes. So it's gonna get smudged in okay. all in here. Okay. Right now, imagine doing this like on an uh, English muffin. Like I couldn't do this on white bread. It wouldn't work. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so you smell that? Can y'all okay. smell that yeah, it? Smells <laughs>
6: good. I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. About to eat the right, mozzarella so, cheese plate. So now
7: we got our our sauces. We got our flavor.
6: hmm
7: And now, like I said. Shredded cheese is important. When I was growing up, that was my job in the house. My mom was like, if it was, she was making macaroni and cheese, mm-hmm. Troy shred the cheese. If she's making pizza, Troy shred the cheese. And now my wife, same thing. Anytime she's making something, ziti, lasagna, my job is to shred the cheese. And so I kind of like the bagel part because when you throw, you splash the cheese on, it's important that it goes all over the bagel, right? You got to spread it all over. But when it starts to go in the toaster oven, that cheese melts, and it goes in, inside of the, you know, the hole in okay. the bagel. And so now it adds even more of a crisp. So uh, you taste followed of it. the whole circle. Follow, the, bagel. Circle. Okay, Follow okay. the circle. Follow okay, the okay. circle. Follow the circle. Follow the circle. Let it drip. And when it melts, the cheese will be inside of, uh, of the hole in the bagel. And now it adds for a crisp taste to it. I love it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to prepare a couple more.
6: Okay, yeah. While you prepare that. Ooh, okay. So now, Rashad.
8: Yes, yes.
6: Yes. It's sir. your she- turn. Challenger two.
8: Yes, yeah, Sersky. So, all right, so we're going to start with the bread.
6: Mm-hmm.
8: We're going to put the bread in the toaster. Mm-hmm. It's real easy. You literally just place it in, push it down. <laughs> I, I, I usually put it like halfway through. So it's like the highest is seven. So I got it on four because you don't want it to be burnt Mm-mm. or you don't want it to be too light either. So you just no. got to wait for the magic to happen. Patience is a virtual.
6: So when I make tuna sandwiches, I mix the mayo with the tuna.
8: I okay. see
6: on this sandwich, how are you going to prepare? I'm just going
8: to put it on, you know, especially at that time. You know, I wasn't really, that's probably the proper way to do it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's just scrambling. So I don't really have time to, like, chef for idea. So mm-hmm. I just put it on top.
6: Mm-hmm.
8: I put it on top and uh, just rock out I like a sauce.
6: Oh, okay, okay. Like so this is definitely going to be different.
8: Yeah, 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 yeah.
6: When sure. was the last time you ate this?
8: Oh, man, it's, it's been a minute. I eat tuna. I still eat tuna. Um, from time to time, mm-hmm. but like me actually making it like this, i probably make it like a couple times a year, to be honest. Like, you know, when I'm just feeling nostalgic when I'm at home and I don't have nothing else to eat. Um, but I don't eat it that often how I used to.
6: So seeing this is considered your broke dish. What was going on at the time when you were eating this for more than nostalgic and <clears throat> once in a while?
8: Um, I was in college. Mm-hmm. So I used to go to the University of Hawaii, and um, I played basketball. So I was on a scholarship. But mm-hmm. how the scholarship worked is that you, instead of like being on a meal plan,
6: mm-hmm.
8: I opted to just get the money for the meal plan. Oh, okay. okay. So that was like probably like two thousand twenty five hundred dollars a semester.
5: Mm-hmm.
8: And um, so, long story short, I had to I had to use that twenty five hundred to buy food. That was my meal plan. Mm-hmm. But of course, you know you in college, so you're using that for more than just food. Mm-hmm. Using that to go to the club, using that to, you know, just mm-hmm. do whatever you wanted to do. So buy, buy clothes. So I probably had probably like 500 mm-hmm. out of that 2500 to spend on food. Mm-hmm. And I never cooked. I was never, you know, somebody that grew up cooking my mm-hmm. whole life. So I'm living by myself in an apartment in Hawaii.
6: So you weren't even living on campus?
8: No, nah, I had an apartment. Oh, right. So I had an off-campus apartment. So, um, so yeah, so, you know, it's like out of necessity, I felt like tuna fish and peanut butter and jelly, those are like the two easiest meals mm-hmm. to make. Yeah. You don't have to have a culinary degree to make that. So, um, I just made it. And then every single day for lunch, literally for a year, um, I would make, I would make tuna. That was my lunch every day.
6: Wow. Yeah. Okay. Now you say Hawaii. Yeah, Yeah. So I'm sure people hit you with this all the time. You already know what I'm going to, I'm going to mention Barack somewhere in here. Oh, I didn't,
8: I wasn't going there, but okay. Um, Shout out to Barack.
6: Shout outs to Barack. Uh, And you guys actually, didn't, did you guys do something with him? Not yet. Not soon yet. Soon come,
7: soon come. come, soon come.
6: Not yet. Yeah, That's yeah, the yeah. answer. Yeah,
7: yeah.
6: That's yeah. the answer.
8: Well, Actually, I got to tell you a story about that.
6: But, um, um, well, you can say it right here on, <laughs> on bro. You ain't got to say
8: it. Break the news alert. <laughs> yeah,
6: yeah. Say it here, please.
8: All right. So we. So am I going to be making this? Yeah,
6: go ahead. Make it. So
8: you, got, right, so you got the I'm, bread out. I'm actually out. putting the tuna fish on the bread. Mm-hmm. Very important part to make a sandwich. Mm-hmm. I probably should have did this the other way on this bread. Tune in, man. Be, be kind to yourself. So we yeah. <laughs> so putting the tune And like I said, this this is one of these things you literally can make in five minutes. That's another reason why I was making it, because, mm-hmm. you know, being a college student, you don't have a lot of time. Mm-hmm. You want to go. Mm-hmm. So it, it's something that you can actually make it in five minutes. Like, he's making a whole gourmet dish. I ain't have time. I mean,
6: that. he's making a whole, whole gourmet I dish. <laughs> I feel like the crew is going to be upset if they don't get to eat some of
8: that. I've made enough for everybody. Oh, then, look you know, at we that. put we put the, um, the mayonnaise. Mm-hmm. Put the mayonnaise on. You know.
6: Oh, you put a lot. Okay, cool. He put a lot. Everybody that's listening.
8: Put the ketchup on. Ketchup and mayonnaise. Okay. French dressing. Ooh. We just learned.
6: Oh yeah, we did Google everybody. You know
8: what I'm saying that's. The, oh, this is bringing back memories actually. And then um, potato I didn't do this all the time. Mm-hmm. But this was something that, you know, was when I was, like, really, really feeling the vibe. This <laughs> you wanted to spoil yourself? Yeah.
6: <laughs> it was like, today I'm going to live a little large. Let's get those chips on a little there. A little
8: dangerous today. You put the, you put the chips okay. over there. Add over a
6: little the, crunch
7: to it?
8: Add a crunch to it, for okay. sure. And, it, and this is just, like, slice out of heaven. Okay. Slice out of heaven. And, um, yeah, daily. I did this every day for one year. For two wow. years, actually.
6: So... W- does it, it seems to me that you were always financially conscious because you knew to maximize it, your dollars. It, or it wasn't what?
8: really done out of out of financial literacy.
6: Mm-hmm.
8: It was just done out of, I can't cook and um, I like tuna fish. I always liked tuna fish and it was just an easy meal to make. So I'm like, but you I, took
6: the food credit money instead of the food credit, right?
8: Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, why know, did you do well, that? Well, you know, it's, it's school food. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they got the best food anyway. Okay. And, um, I mean, would you take, if you're 19 years old, somebody gave you $3,000 for a semester, would you take that or would you take going to the dining room? I would
6: take the money.
8: Exactly. So it's like...
6: What'd you
8: do with the money, though? That was my living... I was living off of
6: it. Okay. You
8: know, so like I said, you know...
6: You maximized it. Yeah,
8: whatever we need. You turned
6: it into an asset.
8: Whatever I needed to do, that was like my... That was like my salary.
6: Okay, okay. You
8: know? I you like it full, it. So you can't really work. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I ain't work. So, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, that was my salary. That was, that was money that, you know, we just had just to kind of do whatever we wanted to.
6: Okay, okay. Yeah. Now you're going to pop those beautiful babies yeah, yeah, into yeah, the oven? Know.
7: Let's do it. Let's do it. And Let's then you
6: it. can go ahead and finish chefing oh, yeah. it up.
7: Very important that this, the oven is preheated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we got it here to 350. What my? Oh, I got my mittens. That didn't prompt me, but I'm, I saw them here. Got to have this. I learned this in home ec class. So I hated school lunch. I think we both had that in common. I don't think we ever ate school lunch. And so I took every cooking class in high school that I could. So that that would be my lunch uh, for the day. And so this is like Oh, you life.
6: got to eat every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Slick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Slick. Yeah. So growing up, you said there was a lot of pizza in your house for
7: me. No, I mean, it's one of the things. Oh, a lot.
6: One yeah, of the yeah, things. Yep. So take me back to the time where you're sitting there like mom's not home. What's going on? You're making these pizza bagels. What's going on in that environment?
7: Yeah. So, you know, my brothers are much older than me. My Mm -hmm. my oldest brother is 10 years older than me. My other brother was in high school while I was in middle school. And he was in middle school when I was in elementary school. So I always came home before everybody. My parents Mm -hmm. were working. And so... I was just one of those things. I'm like, I'm am hungry. Mm-hmm. I hate, like I said, I've hated school lunch for my entire life. Mm-hmm. So elementary school, I'm not eating school lunch. Yeah. I'm the kid that's like, my parents gave me money for lunch. Mm-hmm. I'm putting that in my pocket, or I'm buying your dipsy doodles off you for fifty cents. Okay, yeah, okay they gave me three dollars okay. every day. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, all right, I'll buy those for fifty cents.
6: Mm-hmm. I'm surprised your mom was making your lunches.
7: Nah, 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 nah. She, <laughs> they was they was working. They were out. They actually left the house before I did. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay, so okay. I was like younger, but like I was walking to the bus stop. I was coming okay. home before everybody, and so I was like. All right, well, I'm hungry. What am I going to make? There's no food that I, I, they didn't trust me warm stuff up in the stove. Uh-huh. Um, so many <laughs> times you could, you know, eat, like, toast when you came home uh-huh. with chips. So I was like, all right, I know how to make this. I know we got tomato sauce. I know how to grate the cheese. Uh-huh. All right, let's just throw it on, on some bread and make it happen. And so as I got better with it, I started going in the spice cabinet, like, right, what can we put on it? Like, yeah. yeah. And so, like, that's why I started putting the oregano, basil, putting garlic. I used to put the red uh, pepper flakes on it. Because I was just like, all right.
6: Okay. I'm you, was, a, you was really trying yeah, to I'm just just trying the figure real it game. out. Okay. I'm just
7: trying to figure it out because I'm just like, all right, I'm hungry. I got to make something. And that became one of those things. And so I started making that. And then when she would come home, she was like, You ate? I'm like, Yeah, I ate already. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
6: So now we have you guys years later. One decides financial advisor, another decides educator. Can I put this down? Yes, we'll you on. can. Put it- um
7: I think it was fork Drive.
6: How does that develop, Troy, to go into a financial, financial advisory, right?
7: Well, Rashad's financial. Yeah, he yeah. I, I went into to education. education. Yeah. yeah, so when I was uh, 15, um, I got a job at a, a camp in our community center. Mm-hmm. And so I've been working with kids pretty much since I was 15. Mm-hmm. It was something that just came natural to me. And um, I went to school. I remember I told my dad I wanted to be uh, I'm a Masouf. I was like, I, my hands are great. I got a good hand. My dad was like, I ain't paying for you to go to school to be no masseuse. So I was like, damn, that's not going to work. Yeah. And so I wanted to go into physical therapy because I also had a love for sports, mm-hmm. like obsessive love for sports. And so I knew I was going to go on an athletic scholarship. Yeah. Like I was kind of recreational when it came to sports. Um, and so I went to school. I was like, all right, I'm going to do physical therapy. But I started taking these science classes. I was like, what, what is this? Yeah. And um, I realized really quickly, like, this may not be the route for me. I had interned at a high, when I was in high school as an a physical therapist intern for six months. I was like, this is the most boring job ever. <laughs> like, I'm falling asleep at my internship. Yeah. I'm like, I can't do this. So I was, you know, every party battles with that. Like, what am I going to do? I'm in yeah. college now. What am I going to do? Yeah, yeah. And so I started thinking, like, I have a natural gift for working with kids. <laughs>
4: mm-hmm.
7: I still love sports. And so I started teaching phys ed. So, oh, okay, 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 okay. Yeah, because the, the two just came together. And so I was teaching uh, phys ed and health education. Uh, in the Bronx, in New York City. And um, I would watch my, my colleagues, the English teacher, the math teacher, social science, and I'm just like, yeah, this stuff is cool, but the kids weren't grasping it. They yeah, didn't, yeah. weren't really interested. Obviously, when you're not interested, you see behavioral issues. Yeah. So I'm just like, they love coming to my class, though. They love health because I was talking about the issues that were they were facing. So I was like, look, we need to teach them about things that they can learn about and so we had this opportunity to have this uh internship program in the summer at the same community center that I was working at as 15. and i was like we need to treat this six weeks of the summer like the 10 months of school that they didn't get so let's teach them everything that we can that they didn't learn in school one of those topics was financial literacy Uh and so at the time when we started i started the program he was starting his financial advising career I'm like, I got this idea. We should teach financial literacy. I want you to be the face of it. You should come in and teach.
6: How did you guys meet, though?
7: We went to middle school together. We went to, like, grew up together. Oh, so you guys grew up together? Yeah, so yeah, to yeah, yeah. yeah. We like, best friends.
6: Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so I'm
7: like, he's always like, why did you go back to school? Why did you go back to school? I'm like, I like working with kids. Yeah. And he was like, right, I'll do it. He was, like, kind of reluctant to do it. I'm like, you yeah, they need to learn this. And, like, you could be the face of it since you're, you're starting this. And so we started that. Um, and they were learning other things, like how to write a resume, how to interview, Mm. all these, like, who teaches you that? Nobody, right? Nobody. It's It's so
6: essential, yeah.
7: Exactly. And so financial literacy, I was like, this is essential because we were going to pay them at the end of the program. Like, based on their performance in the program, when they went to their internships, how they performed in the classroom, we paid them money. And so I was like, we're going to give them and pay them money that they obviously earned. Let's teach them about the value of money. Let's teach them how to save it, spend it, share it, invest it. Um, And so that's how it really started. And uh, we were teaching, I would write the lessons, he would teach it. And then he started writing his own lessons, and then I was learning from him. And mm-hmm. So he learned how classroom management, lesson planning. I learned about finance. So like now we're bouncing off of each wow. other. Like I'm learning from him. He's learning from me. And I respect the fields. And it kind of grew from there.
6: Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So why do you think financial literacy, and I, I think I have an idea to the answer to this question, but why do you think financial literacy still isn't taught
7: in schools? That's a great question. Um, you know, it, it, it it's kind of interesting, right? When we, we think about it, we're all going to school mm-hmm. to get a career that does what pay us money, pay us money. But nobody tells us about the money. No. Um, and so I just had, to, when I sat down and thought about it, I'm like, if I ever told you how to be refi- uh, responsible financially, if I ever told you how to be an entrepreneur, who would be my worker?
6: An employee, right? Yeah. Right.
7: Who would be the employees? And so if we're thinking from the economic standpoint, like I need certain people to be employees. I need mm-hmm. certain people to be managers and, and, and I need people to work. And so if I told everybody to be an entrepreneur, who would be doing the work? And so I always look at the school system and the industrial revolution in the same light, right? Like the industrial revolution was to create jobs in the communities that they were in, right? Everybody came in at the same time. Everybody left at the same time. Mm-hmm. Everybody had lunch at the same time, and there were bells to tell you your shifts. And so, if you think about school, it's designed pretty much the same way. Yeah, you walk in at the same time. You hear the bell. You go to your first period, second period, third. So it's the same system, right? The Industrial Revolution was to create jobs. School is designed to create workers.
6: So I was thinking that the reason why, and I hope your pizza toast isn't burning. No, no, it's good. It's good.
7: We're going to leave. But, um, I'm actually, can I put it on for a little longer? Yeah. Cause yeah. I need the cheese has to have a little bit oh, of brown in it. Go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Yeah.
6: So I felt that in, in Rashad, you could, you could stop me if you, or I'm curious to hear your opinion on this. I always felt like the reason why schools didn't teach financial literacy was because yes, school, the school system wants you to, is really training you to work for somebody. But I think that student loans are the only things that can't be removed from credit report
7: or one of the only things. I think there's two other things yeah. that, you know, that happened so 1976. That happened. Yeah.
6: And so I feel like to put kids through school and then after school, what do you do? You sign them up for student loans. Right. So I feel like the reason why financial literacy isn't taught in schools is because right after they get out of school, they're kind of exposed to. For lack of a better word, I feel premeditated predatory—I feel like it could potentially fall into premeditated predatory lending.
8: Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of different reasons why financial literacy is not taught in school. But if you look at, like, major institutions, they haven't really pushed for financial literacy to be taught in school. And, you know, people make money off of people's ignorance. Mm-hmm. So it's like as a credit card company, you wouldn't necessarily want your people to be extremely educated on how credit actually works because it's going to hurt your business. Mm-hmm. Like credit cards actually credit cards wouldn't make money if every single person paid off their credit card every single month. There's no balance. Yeah. They make money off of interest yeah. for people that don't pay it off. Right. So that goes back to lack of financial understanding, literacy and not fully knowing the the system and how it actually works. So it's in their best interest to, you know, keep that system going. It's working. Yeah. Um, So why, why would they, you know, go out of their way to advocate, to educate people, to try to, you know, hurt their bottom line, hurt their revenue? Yeah. And that's across the board. I mean, if you look at Wall Street, Wall Street makes a lot of money from uneducated people or people that just blindly trust whoever they're investing with. It's not really in their best interest to have people educated. And that's every single industry. I could just, you know, go down, the whole real estate, everything. So I just feel that, um, you know, it's one of these things that has never been pushed. And we have something that's already in place where it's like, okay, this is math, reading, science, you know, the core curriculum. And, you know, people just are reluctant to change. And we just kind of accept things as they are because it's the norm. It's been that way for a long time, and we don't really question it. Like, why are we still learning about astrology that might not be the best use of our time or like dissecting a frog might not be the best use of our time no, not at all. if we're not going to be a you know a surgeon or you know study biology in college which very few people do financial literacy should probably be core curriculum and that stuff can be an elective
9: how do we level the playing field for all entrepreneurs 55% of white businesses survive the startup phase while only 4% of black businesses do the same Go to Shopify.com slash B-E-N.
4: at and connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze.
6: Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive to work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to
0: voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of Spoken Audio.
4: Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T.
0: Moments like my daughter telling me a new joke mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, or MBC, which is breast cancer that is spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take eye breaths,
4: That's oracle.com slash strategic. Oracle.com slash strategic.
5: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
0: A laundry? <sighs> Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh?
3: <gasps> <gasps> ah, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. Chumba. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes.
6: so why did you choose financial uh, financial advisory
8: um well i never had a real job like i always wanted to be in business my whole life Mm -hmm. and i knew i could never work for anybody i didn't really have the the temperament to actually Mm -hmm. you know conform to a regular type of job. So at the time, you know, I used to play basketball. So that was my first goal was to, you know, play professional basketball and that didn't work out. So I came back home after college and I'm like, I got to kind of figure something out. So I took a job with an insurance company, commission-based job, mm-hmm. which is relatively easy to get because, you know, most people in commission-based jobs, especially that, that industry don't make it so it's not it's not really hard to get hired. Mm-hmm. It's just hard to make it. Yeah. So, you know, I, I got hired and um studied and took my securities license and my life insurance license, life and health license. And then, um yeah, I just felt like that was kind of like the easiest route for me to get in because I didn't study business in college. I didn't go to like an Ivy League school, so I couldn't just go and work on Wall Street. And, you know, working in, like, a marketing firm, I could have made, like, you know, $30,000 a year. That wasn't really appealing to me. So I'm like, what's the best way that I could make some substantial money? But, you know, and my degree my degree was a communications okay. degree. So just regular, like, liberal arts degree from a state university It's not something that's <laughs> really going to get you too far. So that was kind of how I saw my only entry into the business world. Okay. And, um, yeah, that was, took it from there.
6: So... When it comes to me personally, how I learned about my whole financial literacy struggle, um, I think my first lesson, I had my first company when I was 21. And uh, my first real lesson was not paying taxes. And I got liens on everything that I owned, which wasn't much. But it still taught me a very you know, valuable lesson about Profit and loss statements, paying taxes, you know, I know we're always jumping to create like corporations, LLCs, C-Corps, S-Corps or what have you. But, you know, a lot of people say go out there and start an LLC or, or a corporation, but there's all these responsibilities that also come with it. And so I was young and and I got hit that way. And then I think the second time I think one of my mentors was like, you know, your company's doing very well. But if your company dies tomorrow, you're worth nothing. So you need to build that credit. And I, you know, the way I did it, I think I bought a Range Rover. Okay. You know what I'm saying? With like a 17% interest rate, because I think my credit was a zero at the time. Um, and I was very upset about it, because at that point I started learning about it. So I was very irate. But, you know, my mentor at the time was like, just take this one for the team, just to build your credit and we could re refinance it or what have you later. Um but how what was your experiences with financial literacy personally?
7: Yeah. Uh, so mine is early. Um, like you, you know, especially in my in my house, it wasn't even talked about. We yeah, never talked about money. We didn't <laughs> talk about my, my parents. I, like I, I always say, like, my dad worked for 42 years, but I couldn't tell you what he did. Mm-hmm. I know he went to work. Mm-hmm. I know it was in Manhattan. I know it was in the office building. I visited a few times, but I couldn't tell you exactly what okay. he did. And so I had to learn these things. I had to learn it from my peers. I had to learn it from myself. Um, so, like most most people, uh, getting a credit card once you get to school, you mm-hmm. know, the first semester you walk in on the campus, right in the cafeteria, there's the you know the company they're they're looking for their prey, right? Yeah. There's this there's financial predator, this financial prey, financial prey. Mm-hmm. and so like students, we have no money.
5: Mm-hmm.
7: Some of us don't work, and it's like, wait, I can get two hundred dollars, and yeah. so I yeah. had to learn that very early. I would spend it, I would use the two hundred, they would increase it, I'd use it to four hundred, up to a thousand, to a point where it was just like, wait, what does twenty nine percent mean again on it? What is this <laughs> interest rate? <laughs> Um, and then learning student loan, you know, a lot of people don't even realize what it is until they get on campus, which is kind of why we had the program. Was like, let's teach these kids early so they're prepared for their biggest financial decision at 17, 18 years old. Because nobody told us. I was like, wait, I can't, I can't go to school. Oh, sign these papers. Oh, wait, you're going to be my co-signer. I had no idea what all that meant. What is FAFSA? Mm-hmm. Wait, the more money my parents make, the less I can give. Yeah. All right, all these lessons are happening in real time. And we have to make these real decisions, but I'm 18 years old. I'm like, yeah. all right, I guess. Until so you start realizing, wait, the career I'm going after and the, the loan that I, I owe, how am I ever gonna pay this off? And so those type of lessons happen really early. And then obviously the credit card situation, it was like, okay, this is what this this is what interest rates are. Yeah. Right? This is what like you said, again, taxes. I started working while I was in school wait, I can't go away to school. Like, I don't think my parents can afford this. I got to make this decision. I got to stay home. I got to live here. I got to figure out how I'm going to get everywhere. I got to buy a car. Like, how, wait, I got to get car insurance? All these lessons that no one's telling you about, I was just kind of learning on the fly, and like making these decisions. And like, some of them were poor. Like the credit card one, mm-hmm. I think it ran up. It started with a $200 limit. I think I got it up to like $10,000. Mm-hmm. And by the time I stopped using it, they were, they were like, uh, you owe 29000 Just because the interest kept growing and growing and growing. And I was like, Mm -hmm. I can't make the payments. I can't make the payments. And I was like, all right, now what?
6: (laughs) I feel like there's a lot of misconceptions when it comes to credit card use. You handled yours very well compared to my first credit card (laughs) um, because you got to the increased limit part. I was taught, like I think most young people are taught, well, credit cards are, use those in case of emergencies. Now that I'm older, I don't believe that. You guys are the assets over liabilities crew, which is my favorite discussion in my household. I I talk about it so much with my friends; they probably roll their eyes when I'm on the phone with them. And okay, here she go again. (laughs) But when it comes to credit card use, okay, assets versus liabilities. What is the best way to handle and look at your credit card?
8: Yeah, I think um, you should use it for things that you need, like gas groceries, things that's like part of your, your daily routine, and then try to pay it off and full at the end of the month. Mm-hmm. That's the best way to really go about it because, you know, using a credit card on a consistent basis is going to help you. Mm-hmm. It's going to help build your credit score. It's going to help you gain more credit. Mm-hmm. Um, And it's something that you actually need to build a credit history, credit mm-hmm. profile, and credit card is probably the easiest way to do that. So, you know, credit cards aren't bad. It's just a lot of time people use it for things that they don't necessarily need or they use it. And they don't have enough money to pay it back. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you just you want to go to Miami. If you don't have enough money, you just put it on a credit card and just worry about it later. And it's like, okay, the, the trip costs 2500 and you're paying like a couple hundred dollars on it every single month. That's when you fall into problems. Yeah. So the best way to use a credit card is, you know, pay it off at the end of the month and only use it for things that you actually need. But it is tempting because, you know, especially as your as your limit increases, you know, you got, you know, tens, thousands of dollars in, in your pocket that you can really just do whatever you want with, it becomes uh, difficult to have, you know, discipline. So you definitely got to stay focused.
6: Yeah. Uh, I had my older brother, uh, he he was the first one I ever seen that made money off credit cards. And I was like, oh, brother, you got to have a mad discipline to make money off a credit card. But yeah, credit cards can be assets or they could be liabilities depending on how you use them quickly, right? Um, when it comes to predatory lending, one of my biggest pet peeves, like nothing irritates, I don't even get road rage, but if I hear an ad on the radio, that's like Susie, I couldn't afford my rent this month. Yeah. We have no money and all our credit cards are maxed out. What do you think we should do? Well, they got fast pay call this number. Like literally I like my brain cells explode in my brain and I'm just like thoroughly frustrated. Like how this is even legally able to be advertised on the radio. And then I also think the problem, Susie and Tom, isn't the that you need more money. The problem is your overhead, your whole financial structure is clearly there's a lot going on there. How do you feel about predatory lending in those scenarios?
8: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely it's an issue. Mm-hmm. And it's something that, um, you know, a lot of people aren't even aware of it. Like that, they're actually getting taken advantage of. Even if you look at like uh check cashing places, mm-hmm. you know you pay you pay money just to actually get your money, and that's something that you like. You know when I had when I was working as a counselor and I was a little kid, you know everybody would just go to the check cashing place and you think about it, mm-hmm. but it was like we could have just opened a bank account mm-hmm. and deposited the checks and not have to pay any money, but we paying five dollars out of a check that's two hundred dollars, and you're not really thinking about it at the time, but that adds up. And you never see check cash in places in anywhere except for poor and working class neighborhoods. I've never seen a check cash in place in a rich neighborhood. So Well, was- a
6: lot of times I think two people go to check cash in places is another lesson I had to learn the hard way. <laughs> it's check systems. Check systems is when you you guys are familiar where you over withdraw your bank account, or if you're lucky like me, there's some body in the neighborhood that's willing to say, go cash this check in your bank account and give me the money. And, you know, check systems, you know, once you end up in check systems, you can't open a bank account. And uh, a lot of people fall prey to check systems because, again, mismanaging money and they don't have the option to open a bank account again. Then they're relying on predatory lending to to move the needle forward.
7: Yeah. That's why the education piece is so important.
6: It's So, like, imagine having
7: it at 9 years old, 10 years old, understanding that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you're you're less likely to make those mistakes as you get older. Like you're still gonna make some mistakes, um, but you're less likely to, right? When you know these yeah. things are in place. Yeah. And so that's why it's important. Like anytime we get to be around youth, we tell them that. Even around our own kids. Like we, when they, we, I go to the bank. Sometimes my son comes with me. When I'm paying bills. He's with me. Mm-hmm. If I'm at a restaurant and he's, what's tax? This is a lesson. <laughs> yeah. So teaching them the lessons as early as possible is vitally important. Because yeah, it may not seem like they they understand it and they don't get it but they're at least familiar with the terms, mm-hmm. you know what I mean?
6: Yeah, I, when I heard about Earn Your Leisure, uh, first of all, I'm a huge entrepreneurship fan, huge financial literacies fan, so you could imagine, if I get frustrated over a radio ad, how excited I am about Earn Your Leisure. I was extreme, like, we've, we have all different types of guests, but I was 100% nervous and excited when I was like, oh, they're in town, we got to get them, and then you guys actually Gave me some time out of your schedule. But what you guys are doing has a huge ripple effect because I think in the black community, you know, we talk about having money, having cars, having jewelry, having all these nice things. But nobody wants to talk about how to achieve those things and break it down in a discipline, I say, sense. And you guys are not just reaching youth now. You guys are reaching masses and So your footprint is like forever going to create a ripple effect. Now, generational wealth is something that I feel like has impacted the black community. Nobody really talks about we talk about slavery. We talk about Jim Crow, but we're not talking about generational wealth enough. Um, How do you guys feel about. The bank's responsibilities in the lack of general general the generational wealth in the black community
7: oh, It's important to understand uh, our relationship with, with banks mm-hmm. um, and one of the things we did with our communities like we we read a, a book called the Color of Money and explains about the history of, of of black Americans in the late 1800s, early 1900s about how you know we used to invest in the bank. And, you know, the bank would invest in the, the railroad system and, you know, we lost all our money in the railroad system. So understanding the history before we even get to the present mm-hmm. is important. Understanding the mistrust. And so understanding where it came from um, is important. Uh, but, you know, the, the banks, again, when we when we look at it, we've been taught to put our money in the bank mm-hmm. so we could save money, put our money in the bank, save money, put our money in the bank, save money. What they don't tell us is that when we put our money in the bank, the bank actually uses it, mm-hmm. right? And so, anytime like if you ever go to the bank and try to make a withdrawal for anything over five, maybe ten thousand dollars, if you if you have that in your account, they're gonna tell you, "Oh, wait, we need a few days. Yeah, yeah, we need a few days for, to, for mm-hmm. us to, to clear that type of money." And so you never wonder, like, wait, why would they need that? if This is the bank. What they're doing is they're lending your money and making interest off your money. Mm-hmm. And so rather than telling, especially in West Indians, like, save, 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 that's one route. But, yeah, we should be investing as well mm-hmm. because we're probably going to make more money in our investments than we are going to have in the interest that the bank's going to give us for the money that we saved inside our accounts. And so understanding the, the mistrust from, the, from our history with, with the bank system, but understanding how we can use money and understand money to make sure that we're taking advantage of it and having it work for us rather than having the bank use it for, so it can work for them.
6: Yeah. So but when it comes to black people and banks, I personally feel like the banks play a huge role in where we're at as a community. You know, I have neighbors on my block that own homes that were given their homes. Right. These are million dollar homes in Los Angeles, just gifted to them. We don't have those same opportunities because banks, you know, wouldn't lend to us. Mm-hmm. And then you have the issue, and you guys have talked about this too, is that banks, you know, in certain areas, they're saying the house is worth less or, you know, the appraisal value or what have you. So do you, do you feel a little bit of— Something towards me. I personally think that they should play a role in reparations.
8: I feel like there's no system that hasn't played a part in that. Like, you know, even what you're talking about with the housing discrimination and the insurance companies played a part in it as well, because insurance companies wouldn't insure the homes in black neighborhoods. So that played a part. And then even going back further than that with slavery, like insurance companies, a lot of them, New York Life, a lot of these companies got their start insuring slaves. Mm -hmm. Wall Street was the first commodity traded on Wall Street was slaves. So that's actually a slave marketplace where Wall Street is right now. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, if you 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 can't name anything American, the whole American structure was built on racism. So if racism is a deal breaker, you just got to move outside the country because I feel like everybody is responsible for the, the plight of black people in America. Every single every single industry, there's no industry that has not taken advantage of it from real estate to banks, to insurance companies. I mean, it's been documented. It's not even like a secret. It's not like a conspiracy theory. Like it's literally you could just Google it and just find the information It's right there. And everybody has benefited except for the people that actually, you know, was the ones that got taken advantage of. So I feel like, you know, now we're in a time and place where racism is always going to be there. Unfortunately, I just feel like that's just in the fabric of this country. But, you know. It is what it is. We got to, you know, move around it and figure it out to the best of our abilities. Yeah.
7: Mm -hmm. And the, the, the housing thing that personally, that happened to me personally. So I spoke about that on on one of our early episodes where my home appraised for less than it. It was bought for right where everything around it appraised higher. Mm -hmm. So like a 10 year span, my house actually devalued in the same neighborhood where other houses appreciated value. Yeah. Right. And so what's the answer to that? Number one, Had I known, I mean, it was a time crunch, so I had to get it done at a certain time. But I could afford it and got another appraisal and got another appraisal to my liking. The only thing is I didn't have time as an advantage. But nobody told me that I could fight the appraisal or, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean, to have somebody do an independent appraisal or use a different brain to have an appraisal. But that's why the education point is vitally important. Or are we educating people that look like us to be appraisers? Yeah. Right? A lot of times, oh, that's a
6: different way to look, right? at it. right? Because
7: a lot of times the people who are praising our homes don't look like us.
6: Or. I mean, I'm one of those people that like break through the window, but like maybe just have your white homegirl
7: be there during the but that. Appraisal. Yeah. So that, that was like I saw that. That was there was a report on, that on ABC News where yeah, they took down the pictures and mm-hmm. put a white family up in their house of praise. But I just to show you what he said. Yeah. Right. Raising going to be a deal breaker. We need to leave. So mm-hmm. how do we combat it? Be educated. You know what? I don't agree with this appraisal. Let me go to another institution. Let me get an independent appraisal. Let me fight this appraisal, mm. right? If you have the time and the, uh, the amount, the money to do it, because I know appraisals are like six, seven hundred dollars each time you do it, but it might be worth it if it's going to put ten to a hundred thousand dollars of value of equity back in your home. And so knowing that going into the process is important, but also educating people, like we tell young people, we need more representation. I haven't, I haven't had an appraisal with somebody that looks like me.
1: Well, yet.
6: so. If you and I were about to play a game, right? Mm-hmm. And you know I historically cheat for years, okay? Mm-hmm. You either I feel as black people as a culture, we either say, okay, we know Johnny's gonna steal from us, you know, and that that your response is like, you know what, prepare for the stealing, prepare, you know, have your 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 backups and your backups and your backups. After the pandemic, one of the things that ha- hit me or I was shocked by when it came to pandemic and I'm not a smart I wouldn't say I'm like smart education like college student wise I'm a college dropout but one of the things that I was shocked with was the bailouts I was like oh shit you know I always tell my friends I'm like reparations are gonna happen I promise it's gonna happen one day it's gonna happen when the bailouts happened I said oh shit it's possible do you think it's possible yeah it's
8: always possible I mean they give them billions of dollars of aids to every every country all over the world you just name a country. Billion dollars here, five billion dollars here, ten billion dollars here. So of course they they print it, they print money whenever they want. Money But
6: why why do you think black people still haven't received it?
8: Because I feel like there's no there's no real need for them to do it. There's no pressure. Like there's no pressure on it. It's not gonna make or break the situation if they don't do it. Like it's not something that is really like a political thorn to them. It's just a noise in their ear. They don't really have any real pressure. Politicians only only respect pressure.
6: So when it comes to the Black Lives Matter movement, we saw a lot of pressure uh, from brands stepping up, either supporting Black business, spending more money with Black business. Even Dottavio from Revolt said that the spend for, black aver- for advertising on Black networks increased. Mm-hmm. That pressure was created from the George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter. What kind of pressure do you think we can realistically do to apply that to the rest of the world to get reparations?
8: I mean, it comes down to unity. You got first, we have a united front. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing. And then, you know, you have to have a real political agenda where it's like, you know, it's something that you, A, economics is, is extremely important. So it's like, you know, you put money behind a, a politician and that politician is kind of like indebted to you. That's what, that's how politics really work. And you have to be able to you know, withhold your vote or vote for vote for other parties. Like, black people only vote for Democratic Party. So if you only, if 94% of the people is voting for the party, no matter what they do, you're still going to vote for them. So it's not really a pressure. Whereas, like, you used to take, like, the Jewish community, they might be split 50-50. They got people that'll vote for the Republicans. They got people that'll vote for the Democrats. Whatever the agenda is, whatever they want, you know, it's not blinded on just one particular party. I think that's very dangerous when you just put all your eggs in one basket. So you got to spread and you got to diversify in in politics and you got to actually have unity and you got to have, you know, something that you can actually withhold where it's like, okay, if you're not going to do this for us, this is what we're not going to do for you. Mm -hmm.
4: AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream.
3: At
8: So economics is always a good thing. If you don't have economics, then you withhold the vote or you vote for somebody else's. You know, I don't have all the answers, but that's something that, you know, until then, it's like you're not really in a point of negotiating. You can only negotiate if you have some level of strength. Yeah. Other than that, it's just kind of like begging and asking for things.
7: Yeah, I think having aligned and uniform, these are our, our wants and our needs. Right. Like it has to be uniform. Like you said, like we can't like I want this unified front. This is what I want and our needs, And we're going to withhold from that if we don't get these things Uh, and being educated in the space. Right. Like if people aren't informed about politicians and politicians and elections and who they're voting for, they'll just vote for anybody. Oh, I'm supposed to vote. So I'm vote vote today. You have no idea of their agenda, what they have planned for your community, even on a local level. Right. People aren't paying attention. And so they're not educating themselves in those areas. And so it's like, okay, how can we get anything done when you don't even know who you're voting for? And So it starts there. But it has it has to be uniformed. Even like the the Black Lives Matter situation and and companies stepping up for for black businesses. Right. It was a reaction to something that happened. It wasn't like we're doing this because you you said these are your ones and needs. It was like, okay, that was horrific. How can we answer that? Well,
6: it wasn't just that it was horrific. It was like the whole world had to come to a stop. There had to be no sports, right, right, no right. distractions. And, it, but it was already but, stopped, yeah. so
7: everybody saw it. And yeah. now it, it wasn't enough that there was protests here in the United States. Yeah. It became a protest that was around the world, yeah. right? So that that changed things. But even that, it was like companies are saying they're going to do it, but we have to figure out, well, have they done it? Have yeah. they supported Where Where is the... The documentation that, you know what, if you said that you were going to put $100 billion towards black businesses, have you done it? Which are, where are the businesses, right? Yeah. And I saw this, this clip earlier. It was, it was interesting. It was like, people keep talking about support black businesses. No, it's bigger than support black businesses, yeah. right? Buy in black businesses. Mm-hmm. Bigger than support. Purchasing mm-hmm. and, and help them. Fund them. Fund them
6: right? Yeah. You know
7: what I mean? Because if, if we don't, then we won't have our, our businesses. And then we can't come with an economic front. And we can't have lobbyists. And we can't have politicians to say, all right, this is what—if you don't do these things, we're not voting. Yeah. That's how change happens.
6: So, we're coming to an end of this interview that I never want to end. No. Um, and we got to do taste tests. So I'm Rashad and Troy.
7: Can
6: I? am I'm just gonna take this half off your plate.
7: I'm going to half. Which one? That's. Oh, there we go. Cut this one a lot better than that one. Oh. So I'm okay. go with this. This is neat.
6: Okay. So who are we gonna try first?
7: You want? Let's try his.
6: Okay, so we're going to go with Rashad's first. So we got the tuna sandwich with the mayo, ketchup, and potato chips, everybody, on wheat bread.
7: Here we Toasted go. Toasted wheat bread. Toasted wheat Very bread. Very important.
8: <laughs> elite level. That's elite level. I'm not even going to lie to you.
6: That's actually elite. I love how he's advertising how good his sandwich is.
7: Not bad. Which actually not bad. I'm not going to lie to you. I think the chips is what really... Sick. Yeah, I got, I'm trying to get a bigger piece of chip right here on the second bite.
6: And you know what? I would have never thought ketchup on tuna. That's
7: what I'm saying. No but part, nobody ever thinks of it.
6: I'm not going to lie. I do think this is this is pretty damn good. <laughs> I'm,
7: I'm telling you.
6: I think the chips, I don't I'm know. And it could be the toasted bread. This <laughs> is going
7: to be the first one in the, in the cookbook.
6: I don't know what. Elite hey, level. Bring I may this. eat this in the middle of the night.
7: <laughs> that one's good. Bring back memory. I've got to clear my palate.
6: I will say (laughs) that the only difference I would do is maybe mixing the tuna and the Thousand Island only because it's a little dry.
8: Well, you know what? We used to, um, but I couldn't think of it, but I used to get this tuna. It was like an oil-based tuna. But I forgot the name of it. So that's why I was sending him the picture. I was trying to Google the name of it. But it, and so that, Made the tuna a lot more moist. Okay. And now that was like a, that was my secret sauce in the whole situation.
6: So a lot of, well, I think a lot of the listeners know by now that I do shop. I did see your picture of the tuna with the oil. Oh, you see, I said that. But I didn't know if you were just saying get this brand tuna, no. but I could not find that brand with the oil, and okay. I was like, I'm pretty sure this oil means something. Yeah, oil. Uh, but <laughs> I oil. was like, brand or oil, and I chose brand. But yeah, the oil. So it, I, I it, will it, give you up. a pass. Okay, okay. I'll give yeah. you a pass. The oil is
8: yeah. important because it, 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 it adds a whole different flavor to it. Here we go.
6: Okay, here we go. I took a swig of water. Palette's been. Cleared. Now it's Troy's pizza bagel. Here we go.
7: <laughs> my bread is too so soft. <laughs>
5: I
6: love how Rashad is semi-hating over here. He's
4: like, hmm. okay.
7: Troy, which one do you think is better? I like, I like that his bread was toasted. This bread is pretty soft on my bagel. Blame it on the bread. I need a little crunchier. I need a little crunchier. <laughs> okay. tell me about the flavor
6: <laughs> flavor wise great I think if I hadn't talked so much we would have had more of the melty cheese versus the you know I was kind of looking forward to this whole melted cheese moment flavor yeah. wise it's great would I eat again? hell yeah um, I've the garlic the oregano, the basil it feels like a real pizza
7: Imagine I put this on hard bread. <laughs> that should have been a Jamaican part. I should have used the hard bread.
6: I think both are good. Which one do you, what, what do you think?
7: Uh, well, you know, I'm
8: partial to the tuna. And, I, and I'm actually handicapped in the situation because I didn't get the right ingredients, I the oil. But, um, you know, that just brings back so many memories for me. And this is good. It tastes like school like school lunch. So cool.
6: <laughs> He's taking shots. No. no t- 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 so I'm going t- to d- end the debates for everyone listening. I ain't going to lie. I preconceived thought the tuna was absolutely going to suck. <laughs> at it, looking at it, it looked like it was going to suck. Now Troy's looked like it was going to be amazing and he was going <laughs> to stomp all over the tuna. But... Troy, don't kill me. No, it's okay. But yeah. the tuna actually beat it.
7: I just lost my, 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 my tuna bagel. You have it? I want to apologize to Miss Granda, our home-neck teacher. I'm not <laughs> sure if she's going to stay with us, if she is so with us. There you have it, ladies and Three years of cooking. Keep your expectations yeah. low in life. That's the key. To success.
6: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's crazy because the pizza bagel's really good. But it could be the sheer shock that the tuna sandwich <laughs> was going to be. Trash. Didn't you think the tuna sandwich was going to be trash?
7: I love tuna, so. But you, tuna. when you saw the ketchup, you. I didn't hate, it. No, no, those two things. I don't even think I got ketchup in my bite, so I'm I'm okay with that because I yeah, would. I had to have it, ketchup in
8: it. it no, tastes, no, I didn't have it. in It in my tastes my bite.
6: absolutely amazing with the ketchup and yeah, the. I'm t- I'm t- telling
7: this ketchup was, here, and that
8: just it. comes from years of just trying different things, you know. But life's, life's about taking
6: risks. Yeah. But look at he's over here. He (laughs) acting like he got a belt over this tuna sandwich. So to close out, I did want to talk about a bunch more stuff, but to close out, I really want to challenge you guys and put you on the spot. You cannot walk away from this interview without answering this question. Okay.
7: Let's do it. Let's do it. If
6: we had to choose a spokesperson, Mm -hmm. this goes back to representation, putting pressure. Who from our culture would you choose? To represent us. I think that that's
8: part of the, the problem with, with, with black the people is that we have a messiah complex. Like we've always been, you know, we've been spoiled with leadership. As my, my guy, 19 key says, it's like, when you think about black people, you think about strong leadership from Malcolm X to Marcus Garvey to uh, Muhammad Ali to Malcolm X. Martin Luther. I said, I think I said, Malcolm, you said Malcolm twice. yeah. So it's like, we've always had leadership. But the problem with relying on the leader is that it's too easy to to kill, literally and figuratively kill, one person. And then when you cut the head off, then the whole body falls apart. But when you think about, like, the Asian community, um, can you name, like, 20 leaders? Or can you name five leaders in the last hundred years in the Asian community?
6: No, but to play devil's advocate, I totally disagree. I hate to to go into debate on this because those men that you named Mm -hmm. were able to move the needle forward and— and not only were they able to move the needle forward, those guys, the question is, is who would you choose as a spokesperson?
8: Yeah, I think even that is is kind of tricky because a spokesperson comes with responsibilities, leadership, and it comes with hate, too. People like to just, you know, tear somebody down when they reach the point. I feel like we all should be leaders. And I feel like, you know, leadership starts at the household and, and you know, self-responsibility of not relying, even the— Like me, I'm not really into politics too much because I don't like to rely on government or anybody. I feel like I have to rely on myself and I feel like, you know, self-responsibility and self-accountability is extremely important. Self-accountability and self-responsibility is more important than leadership, more important than a spokesperson.
6: But as an entrepreneur, I am one of those believers that. There's no one on my team that is more important than the next, whether the person's mopping the floor, taking the pictures, editing or whoever, including me. They are not. They are not. And no one's least. But I do know that my team won't run efficiently if there isn't a leader. Okay. No,
8: I'm not I'm not so. I'm not I'm not saying that I'm opposed to leadership because I think that, there, of course, it's human nature that you always have to have some level mm-hmm. of leadership. I just think the focus shouldn't be on leadership. I think we focus too much on leadership, like who's the next leader? Who's the next black leader? Who's going to be the spokesperson? That'll just come organically from people that'll just rise. The cream will always rise to the top. But that shouldn't be the focus. The focus should be how can we save our households? How can we build stronger families? How can we support black businesses? How can we have group economics? How can we educate ourselves? How can we, you know, these are things, how can we become more healthier Even eating food, like, you know, these are things like diabetes and stuff that runs in our communities rampant. So I feel like the leadership is not a bad thing, but I think we focus too much on that.
2: Yeah. Uh,
7: yeah. It goes back. Like, even in in the school system, right? My model was always like, I was a phys ed teacher, right? Mm -hmm. And so I always tell people about the expectation. What do you expect a phys ed teacher? What do you expect Mm -hmm. from them, right? They could be the coach, athletic director. My model was just like, lead from where you are. Like, Mm -hmm. lead from right where you are. Because what he's saying, There's a lot of truth to it, right? When we see people rise to the top, and Barack Obama is a a perfect example Mm -hmm. of it, we saw how he was treated, how they tried to, you know, throw dirt on the position, Mm -hmm. because whoever he was, and what it does to a younger generation is they almost look at it like, why would I want to be that? Why would I want to aspire to be that if that comes with it? Not saying that it's not a obviously a very, very important job that comes with a lot of responsibilities. It's like, if that's going to happen when I get there, why would I want to be there? This matches is so important because it's like, who is the leader of, especially in our space, who's the leader of financial literacy? You don't know who the leader is. What's more important is the education that they're getting, right? So if any day that we stop doing earn your leisure, right, you've gotten so much information that you can now lead your community. She's got so much information that she can lead her community, and so does he. And so you don't really have a leader. You have a com- you built a community of leaders that can actually execute on information and pass it on to the next generation. Because what the men and women that he mentioned. They are vitally important to the black excellence that, that we're allowed to continue, right? But when they died, was their mission continued as to the, with the way they saw it? We don't know. All we know is what they laid out for us and what we need to add to it to continue in, in the excellence that was bestowed before us. So it was like, all right, let, let's just keep doing what we're doing, leave from where we are, and in turn, everybody around us will get the information, and if there's no us, the information the education will always live on.
6: Okay. Well, you guys put me in a position. I definitely disagree.
7: <laughs> okay. Um,
6: but I only disagree and I have nothing but love for you guys um, because you guys play such a pivotal role in our community, culture-wise, black, white, brown, it doesn't really matter because mm-hmm. you're talking financial literacy and we all need help and you're talking education. We all need that guidance. When... I think about reparations, MLK is like, you know, I have a couple people that I think are my favorite people on the planet. It's like Jesus, John the Baptist, Martin Luther King is like, you know, if you said like, like who you could have supper with, like just put these three people. I'm cool. You know, I feel like all three would accept me pretty fine, you know, yeah. but I still think that a spokesperson is needed. Someone that can speak both languages. And I'm going to throw out my spokesperson. Who is it? Who is it? Okay. What did you want to know? Don't you want to know who it is? Well,
7: How about, can I ask you this? So, if we're talking about MLK and his vision, his dream for Mm -hmm. economic empowerment, is it being fulfilled in this present day?
6: Yes and no. Right? Yes and no. And... Only no, because,
8: well, you know... Well, let me ask yeah. you this. What's more beneficial, one powerful spokesperson or 35 billionaires?
6: It doesn't have to be either. It doesn't have to be either or. Like, one doesn't negate the other. Like like I said, when I said the whole thing about a team, like, my team is equal to me. There will always be equal to me. If anything happens to my team members, I'll be talking about it all day. I'll be crying about it, whatever. But... But who but who, it doesn't negate you understand like one doesn't negate the nah, other, it but there is there but, is a need for a role.
8: What 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 group do you feel like is successful and like what ethnic group do you feel like is a successful example that somebody can follow in America?
7: Well, yes. that has or, or that has a clear leader. No, 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 it's
6: two I'm going to just say the thing you're not supposed to say. I think white people just, I like, mean, they did an example. Well,
8: white people, that's a, that's a broad term. So, like, like I'm saying, like, a like an ethnic, I hate the word, but, like, minority. What ethnic minority would you say, this is people that can be duplicated? Like, this is something as an example to, to try to duplicate, or they've done well, and this is something that, you know, we can try to take some different parts of what they've done.
6: By example of spokesperson. No, okay. like a group, like a group. I think black people are the motherfucking MVPs. Like, I think we're the MVPs. Like we we're so resilient. We've broken barrier after barrier. I will say black people is the second.
8: No, nah, I appreciate that. But I'm just saying from my standpoint, I look at it like, all right, we know that Asians probably make the most amount. And that's kind of a broad mm-hmm. term. But like, let's say like the Asian community, let's say the Indian community. Let's say the Jewish community. Let's say the Mexican community. Let's let's use all of these different communities. Right. Who Who's a leader in any one of those communities? Who's like, a leader? like name one person that's like this is the leader of the Jewish community. This is the leader of the Chinese community. This is the leader of the Filipino community. This is the leader of because all of them are light years ahead of us economically
6: but they're but they're only there because they didn't have the hurdles.
8: But I understand that, but with look, my whole thing is this. You're trying to ask for help for people that hurt you. That's a dysfunctional relationship. It's like being in a relationship with somebody who is abusive to you and after 400 years you're thinking this is going to be the year that they change. It's not going to happen. You got to accept them like this is this not
6: I don't think racism is going to go anywhere.
8: Yeah, exactly. It is never going to But happen. I think
6: I think a game is still meant to be played; is always meant to play to win or lose. What, what, but what? I think there is a, a a a place where you can play fairly. Like you can say, no more rigging the game.
8: But it, but what I'm saying is that that's not how, life. Doesn't work based off of fairness. Life based off of strength and power. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is that we're trying to play a fair game is not going to be fair. We're going to have this conversation 100 years from now. So how do we work together? Group economics grow, have enough money where now we can tilt the scales ourselves. Yeah. It doesn't have to be one person, but now if you got a group of people, this guy's worth two billion, he's worth four billion, he's worth, and then we all work together collectively. Now we can put pressure, economic pressure, on the situation. Now that changes the dynamic, as opposed to having one eloquent speaker. Because, like I said, we've had great speakers, we've had great leadership. It hasn't really helped though.
6: Yeah. I. I- I agree to a certain degree. I think uh, to a certain degree.
7: Yeah. Nah, because <laughs> if, if you have that one person, like I said, and we've seen those leaders, pretty much everybody that he's named, been killed, right? Now who's next? Because it, there's dysfunction amongst the ranks. Like, I should be the next person or you should be the next person. And then it'll be the same thing. That's why if you, if you spread it out, like, you're going to be great at this. Like, You'll you lead in that career. So if we all come together with that form of leadership and everybody leads and takes self-accountability, like you said, and responsibility, if everybody leads from where they are, now you have a united front. That's different.
6: Yeah. I mean, we still have a president in, in a free country. So I think leadership is... You still need a spokesperson. But, I mean, we right, could, uh, we you, could you, agree to yeah, disagree. Yeah, you have
8: leadership. For I, sure. I'm going right to tell here. you, got you who... Right
6: who got, no, I think... See, the the thing about earn your leisure and... Organizations like you and foundations like you and universities like you and podcasts like you and events that you, you, everything that you're doing, you're representing leadership in our community that, like I said, the ripple effect is never ending. I can't be more appreciative for what you guys do for
5: Appreciate
6: um, you. just all anybody that has access to you, I think, is just forever should be grateful for you guys. I'm a damn spokesperson. Who is it? You oh so you want to know who my yeah, special yeah. person is? y'all know be? y'all know yeah. you don't know no right. no um I'm gonna throw it back to my favorite artist of all time.
8: Kanye West?
6: Definitely not Kanye, but I do love Kanye. Don't don't I, think I don't. Who's your favorite I,
7: artist of all time? This is good.
6: Um, <laughs> this interview is going
7: up. Yeah yeah who is it Who is, who is it? Uh,
6: it's Jay Z all day. Jay-Z. But I like I like Jay for a multitude of reasons. He speaks both languages the way he his perspective is. Uh, he can be in the room with the whites, the blacks, the Puerto Ricans, whoever. Um, I think he speaks both languages and his perspective depth is there. Um, and I, I feel like he uses his power. To. To bridge the gap, bridge the hatred, you know, even what he did with the NFL and all that. So if I had to choose someone that like within range, it doesn't sound like your typical prospect, but I would say I would choose him.
8: I mean, yeah, Jay-Z, definitely, you know, he's an important person. He's not really an outspoken person, though. He does most of his stuff behind the scenes. He's more of an introvert. I like that. So I don't know if he would be a good spokesperson because he only likes to speak.
6: But a spokesperson could be the person that does the deal. Like, you know, like, I, I don't traditionally like being the face of my brand. This is the first time I ever said I want to be the face of my brand. Mm-hmm. But it, whether you're making power plays or not, like, he's, he, I feel like he has the power. Like, we collectively as a community are making moves. We're, we're everybody in their own community, there's always somebody that's trying to impact and, and move the needle forward. And that's why we've been able to get as far as we have been. Mm-hmm. But when I think a spokesperson, I think Jay could handle it. And it's not just because, you know, he's my favorite artist
7: of all time. Partly. Partly.
6: It's partly. But yeah. but truth be told, I feel like I've watched the way he moved, and there's been plenty of times, not only even with his records, where I've been like, huh? And then later been like,
7: oh, I see Shout out to Jay. Oh, yeah, shout out. That's, that's one of my favorite artists as well. Jay.
6: So, but obviously I'm not going to get a spokesperson out of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I tried really hard. I tried really hard. But thank you so much for coming out, feeding me, and feeding the team. Yeah, yeah. I enjoyed the tuna sandwich and the bagel pizza. And now I officially know how to make pizza. Um, thank you guys. Thank you I for appreciate giving us you the time. Us. Thank,
8: thank you for
6: having us. Appreciate it. Peace. For more Eating While Broke from iHeartRadio and The Black Effect, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Eating While Broke.
2: at and Connects, an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews